The gear is 1995. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And this is My Marvelous Year. here at the comic book reading club where we're going through the best of marvel comics from its origins to today i'm zach your comic book journeyman and today i am joined by dave busing the only man who can podcast with an adamantium claw shoved through his skull dave how do you do it you know it, honestly i don't like to brag about it you know it's one of those things where it's like you don't like to talk about it all the time and i don't want to show anyone up but i actually think it's gone the, the other way now where i don't get enough credit like, I do not get enough credit for being this eloquent, this verbose, this consistent with an adamantium skull shoved straight through my skull. <laughs> like, <laughs> an adamantium claw, rather. Like, I, and see, like, and sometimes I have slip ups. Sometimes I have slip ups, and people are like, we oh, have to work said, around the claw that's in your, your mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are like, oh, he said skull, and he should have said claw. It's like, yeah, no kidding. I had a, I had a claw in my skull. Come on, give me some, some credit. I just I want to note that I, I did say the only man in podcasting who can do this. Charlotte is the only woman in podcasting, but unfortunately, she's not so adept at it. It actually has pinned her jaw to her skull, and uh, and she's unable yeah, to speak. She's, so she's on the she's line, but she can't right she can't talk. Yeah, right, right. No, she is working on that right now. I think if she gets it loose, she'll jump in with any thoughts on these comics. Um, but unfortunately, you know what are the odds? What are the odds that on a podcast of three individuals, two of us would be clawed straight through the dome? And what that, are the oods? That I'd be uh, the only podcaster with adamantium claws. <laughs> and I'm missing two. <laughs> well, and, yeah, no, no kidding. And it's like, and, and every, everybody has a podcast at this point, right? Like yes. everyone has a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet it's we disgusting. remain unique. That is the Mimar. It is disgusting. Here's right? the thing like, about like you know the people over- thinking they can cast. Come on, mm-hmm. get off yeah. my block, right? Yeah, That's it's, what it's too much. And the thing is, you know, it, it's good to make fun of somebody for having a podcast. Now it's embarrassing, and, and the cutoff for when it stopped being embarrassing, or when it started to be embarrassing, I'd say it was mm-hmm. like roughly a month after we started. That's you I know we got it, we got it right started. under the wire. Yeah, yeah. One month after we started, it stopped being. Cool. And then it was like, oh, you um, can't do that. You know, we're we're like OG, but you're. You know, you're uh, you're just trying to, uh, I don't know, get it on our turf. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I would, I, I think it's fair to call it our turf. I, mm-hmm. do. I, I think, yeah. having started in like 2000. Yeah, anytime Headgum launches anything new, I see Headgum doing like, oh, we're doing an X Men podcast, and I'm like, come on, you know, like you could have checked with us first. Yeah, yeah, right. No, right. that that honestly, that's how I feel every time somebody. Some man on Twitter's like, "Hey, I made a reading order for something." I'm like, "I'm like, it's 2022. Grow up. <laughs> I've had one for 11 years, right?" And it hasn't been So anyway, this is my snobbish years. year. This is my snobbish year where we just talk about how cool and uh, and amazing we are and how much we like and, the gatekeeping uh, comics because what's hotter than gatekeeping right now? Gosh, I love gates. Love a good gate. Wood gates, metal gates, chained gates, locked gates, padlocks. Oh, give me a gate. Um, all right, 
<laughs> Let's get into the comics <laughs> yeah. today. So on my Marvelous Year, we talk about, uh, yeah, like Zach said, the comics from Origins 2 today. And today we're going to talk about all Wolverine and the X-Men, baby. We're talking 1995 Wolverine and the X-Men. We got a mega Wolverine number 90 issue. We got Wolverine and Gambit miniseries by none other than Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale creators of Batman Long Halloween and Dark Victory, a very timely comic. I bet I bet more people are reading Batman the Long Halloween post Matt Reeves the Batman, which I have not seen. Mm-hmm. I promise you this is not yeah, a spoiler. I still have not seen it. Yeah. Um, but I bet that book is doing numbers. And uh, But we're going to read their Wolverine and Gambit miniseries that actually came out first. And then we're going to talk a little Generation X. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, yes, Generation X here was a Patreon request mm-hmm. from was. Johannes. Yeah, thank, thank you, you very you. much for that Patreon request. Uh, if you are so inclined to make a Patreon request for issues added to the list, you can go on over to patreon.com slash year. It is the only way that My Marvelous Year is supported. We are entirely listener-supported by choice. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, Johannes here has gone in, and he is subscribed at a tier where you can nominate certain comics to be added to the list. These are added to the list in perpetuity for not only for us to talk about here on the show, uh, but for everyone else who's reading along on the list. They now have that as part of their reading journey as well, okay? It is, I, I make basically two exceptions for anyone other than myself adding comics to the essential Marvel, My Marvelous Year list. One is every decade Zach gets to do a Dean's list. Mm-hmm, and uh, so that'll come again in, I think, 2004. Mm-hmm. So plan yep, on that, Zach. That's correct. Uh, and, um, and Patreon requests, Patreon special requests. So that's what's going on today. Um, I have started that 2004 in. list already. I'm starting to work on it because it does take this long. For me to craft a lift list that perfect, you know. I believe it. I yeah. believe it. Um, can you believe? Can you believe in 2016 when I put the my marvelous year lists together that I was like on the I was doing these like on the fly every week. So like I might be like one week ahead of the club. Yeah, I've looked at the at list. certain points in time. I can totally believe you know. That. Yeah, <laughs> <Got> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, no, no, I. You know what? That that is crazy to me because I I am working on the DC year list and like that's nuts, especially now, right? Like by the uh, the eighties and nineties where there's tons of good stuff. I could I could see that doing that back in the Silver Age, no problem. Did you but, say the nineties? There's tons of good stuff compared to the eighties. Uh, no, but there's tons of stuff to wade through. I guess that's a good point. There's tons of stuff. Yeah. There was less. There was less tons of stuff. Yeah. In Marvel Unlimited, and it's pretty clear time, what's essential made it in the sixties, right? Like it's, it's a little easier to to wade through there and be like, "Well, we got to read these important origins of stuff." But yeah, that's that is that's crazy. <laughs> I kind of uh, yeah. can't say that must have been very hectic to do. Yeah, no, it's it it took a, a powerful powerful man, um, and I <laughs> and I had the full and I had the full uh, the full might of a, a full brain at that point in time uh, with no claws to be found. But you know, here's here's where I want to start no the conversation children. on the comics today. Yeah, most importantly. Yeah. Um, here's where I want to start the conversation on the comics today, Zach. When was the last time we had art this good? Ooh, because uh... I love everything that's going on here. We got art by Adam Kubert in Wolverine. We got Tim Sale, first time in the Marvel Universe, with Wolverine Gambit. And then we got Chris Pacello, um, killing it on Generation All X. Right, I'm, I'm when was the last time we had art this good? On these, but we'll, we'll get to it. Uh I don't know, Marvels was... I mean, I guess not as a whole batch, right? As no, no, I'm talking like a whole round 
of yeah. like we got three separate um, series and we got three separate artists. Even if you're not feeling one of the one of the distinct styles, they're all distinctively styled. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah and they sure. are not they are not chasing Jim Lee. They are not chasing Rob Liefeld. I mean Kubert's aside, but like Kubert's kind of Kubert's kind of like, defined like, their like, yeah. thing too. You know, like okay. they're they're kind of a part of that wave. Yeah, yeah um, no, no one, no, uh, not a big batch. I mean, uh, for the Dean's list, I really focus on art, so I really like the Secret Defenders. I don't remember who did the Secret Defenders art on that, but I like that. Well, you're, you're so focused on art a lot of times that it's like you don't even attribute it to artists. It's yeah. sort of just like big capital A art from the goddess it's like all yeah from, i mean like, uh, you yeah, know like right the, uh, true connoisseurs don't get hung up on the the who's and what's and when's they just uh they just like like some art. people in art museums are like that looks like a lichtenstein and you're like that looks like pop art and then you <laughs> very snobbishly walk away <laughs> tom grinberg that's who it is um <laughs> the secret defenders yeah anyway uh mm-hmm. no i don't know you, you're right though um really really good art i, I do have a question for you though mm-hmm. For Wolverine and Gambit Victims, which is the miniseries we read here, um, th- this is the, the least severe Why'd You Do It, Dave, I gotta ask, because I think this is actually like... Oh, I think it's pretty obvious why I did it. I think, uh, yeah, oh, uh, is it is it just because the Loeb and Sale? Like, That's... Because we, we just read a massive We just read yeah. a Gambit miniseries, and I was like, well, maybe this is some big deal. It doesn't seem like a big deal, this comic, except for the creative team, is that the... I, I, it's I guess it's a it's bigger p- deal because of the creative team. Yeah. It is a kind of interesting miniseries on its own yeah well it, it's just uh I, I guess paired with we read one wolverine comic that was pretty good and ends on a cliffhanger and then i was like oh and now we're moving to a you know kind of forgettable or i, I don't know forgettable that, that's we'll, a little we'll talk about we'll talk about the cliffhanger um let, let's start with wolverine okay right. let's, get into, let's get into which we haven't content. read wolverine since like ooh, uh i think the post barry windsor smith weapon x in 1991 i don't think we've dipped into a solo wolverine comic yeah, so let's series, let's so. talk about that a little actually. So we got Larry Hama writing Wolverine. He writes Wolverine for years and years and years. Um, like I mentioned, Adam Kubert is on pencils here, inks by Mark Farmer, colors by Marie Javins, current editor in chief of DC Comics. Um, you know it, what else is kind of amazing? So like this is 1995. I really like what Adam Kubert's doing here. We're going to talk about it. Um, Adam Kubert, current ongoing Wolverine artist as well. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> and, and doing honestly, I think like career best work. Um, which is maybe just shows how little I understand his career, but like, I really like what he's doing on that series. Um, I think actually too, when I, I think when I interviewed Mark Wade, I asked him, who's your favorite X-Men artist? And I'm pretty sure he said Adam Kubert and then may have just fallen back into the Kuberts more broadly. Um, but anyway, some, some real respect there from the Wade as I call him, but okay, let's get into this issue. Uh, Zach, Larry Humble Wolverine run. It is mm-hmm. critically acclaimed. Yeah. It we is beloved some, by fans. We've read some. The beginning. It never. It's never one of my like. Oh, I love it, or like. Oh, I'm obsessed with it. I. I think I just kind of missed my '90s nostalgia window on this one. You know. Um. I appreciate a lot of what's happening. I. I like what Hama's doing, but I never. It's never a run that I want to sit down and like binge excessively. I guess you know. I like kind of just getting the highlights mostly yeah here and there um and that's what we get in issue number 90 but i do it's kind of like uh kind of like my experience with like masters of kung fu um or i don't know some of these other ones where i can tell like people who have good taste in comics tend to really love this run and i i just never quite have the the right headspace for it well here's the thing about this issue if this wasn't that like incredible adam kubert art 
you know, I, I'm not also being like, in the writing, my God, right? Like, the writing works, and the writing's okay here. Uh, There's some good stuff. It, it's okay. Storytelling <laughs> I'm going to say, I, I think the... Uh, yeah, yeah, it's okay. I, I think there's some good stuff to it, but it is not like I am not like I can't wait to find out what's happening with Wolverine here, right? Like, uh, it it is it is not. Well, who who starts out the Wolverine miniseries? Uh, not miniseries, just the series. Is it Claremont with all the Madripoor stuff? Yeah, it's Claremont and yeah. one of the Buscemas, I think John. Yeah, and uh, and that stuff just never worked for me. So like the, this definitely works a lot more and a lot of it is that. It's like kind of important, you know, in building in building the Wolverine mythos. Sure. Um but yeah, I'm never I and it, it, it I don't know, we talked about it I'm sure ad nauseum, but it's like it just seems like if you said like, "Hey, we're going to do a Wolverine noir series set in this island of criminality where like anything goes." It'd be like, "Yeah, that sounds awesome." Sign no, no, up, see right? I wouldn't yeah, because I don't list. want Wolverine like making Wolverine like grim and very self-serious and noirish is you know like putting a hat on a hat a little bit to me okay uh, okay with, with with wolverine like that there's a little bit of that with the uh the wolverine and gambit victim series we're reading where i'm just like maybe it's just exhaustion of having 20 years of this guy but like him being uh, him brooding is the last thing i'm interested in seeing now <laughs> right i think wolverine I'm more interested is in him in, in, doing reps to like take his mind off of saber and being like i gotta rep the pain away <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was that was really fun um i i do think wolverine is prone to exhaustion to leading to exhaustion i actually think in ways that like the most popular superheroes are not like i i actually get more exhausted by Wolverine's deal solo, mm-hmm. probably than any other overexposed character. You know, Certainly I mean, Spider-Man's Spider-Man. in the conversation, yeah. but I tend to be more game for Spider-Man stuff. Like Batman, I, I don't have well, this problem you know, I, with. I mean, I, I think to me, it's that Wolverine has a core conceit that the comics can't back up, which is that he's this kill crazy madman and he's constantly bemoaning it. And then the comics actually can't show him as a kill crazy madman, right? Like they pull that punch all the time. So it just becomes. You know, you, you get a little exhausted by the, like, the, the bait and switch, almost, I think. Right? Yeah. And the kind of, like, it, it's all all talk and no action. Which is a little of this, you know, Kubert's art is starting to back it up a little bit here. Which is why I think this one's exciting. Um, but the Wolverine and Vic, the Gambit victims thing definitely has that issue for me. Where it's like, did Wolverine go crazy again and kill a bunch of people? And I was like, well, no. Yeah, right. I, I know it did, right. didn't. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's like, pretty <laughs> interesting there. I, yeah. I guess Wolverine 90 is a is a pretty good example of deflating or of of exceeding those expectations because it mm-hmm. it's the type of all-out cage match that mm-hmm. that actually allows Wolverine to let loose potentially. Um pretty so the, so the violence, yeah. Yeah, well right. The the yep. premise of Wolverine number 90 is so Sabretooth is still prisoner in the X-Mansion. <laughs> Which we saw. Yeah. Or, we saw or again, well, but he but he gets out during the Family's Covenant, but he's back. Um, he's he's in the little prison, and they force him to watch the news all day, which I got to say, hellish, hellish oh, yeah. experience, sitting in a room with nothing to do but eat and watch the news. Um, and Wolverine, post-Fatal Attractions, is still, uh, he's more human, I think. You know, he's more in control of his faculties, having had the adamantium ripped from his bones by Magneto than at certain points, but he's really having Wait, a hard time. Did we see that happen? I don't remember that. <laughs> Magneto ripping the adamantium. Uh-huh. Yeah, that that's, in like... fa- that's in Fatal Attractions. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I skipped that because I wasn't on that episode. Very <laughs> famous. <laughs> I wasn't. On, I wasn't on those episodes. That's right. I didn't read those. I was like, how uh-huh. do I remember that? I thought, and you know, I actually thought that uh, when I was reading this, I was like, are those 
Are his claws bone right now, or is that just a weird drawing? Yep. Choice? Yep. Okay. We are All right. fully full boned <laughs> Wolverine. We're doing the full bone. Okay. And uh, so he's he's you know really waging the war between um, you know am I an animal or am I a man? And he's having a hard time with it. And he's kind of like he's like living in the woods around the X mansion during this time a lot. But here he comes inside, and uh, and he's he's taunting Sabretooth, and he's kind of you know he's kind of visiting and and just chatting it out because Wolverine at no point is like yeah Professor it's a great idea to keep Sabretooth in the mansion like he is always against it and is always proven right mm-hmm. <laughs> basically yeah. that it's not a good idea um you know and one thing that i didn't realize as a kid um or even until somewhat recently is like you know like the idea of like the nine because in the 90s x-men animated series does this too where they're like we're gonna take in Sabretooth. and the purpose of the x-men is like we're gonna try to rehabilitate anyone right like we're gonna extend them a second opportunity you know, and then the the moral quandary is like, well, who's too far gone for that? Yada yada. But the thing that they don't talk about <laughs> in the animated series, or honestly, even in this comic, which kind of brushes it over, and this is a thing that David Bowen, really great X Men historian writing for Comic Herald, wrote about recently in his review of a new Sabretooth miniseries that came out, which is great, written by Victor Laval. Um, in Wolverine number eleven, Sabretooth kills Wolverine's romantic interest at the time, Silver Fox. Mm-hmm. This is kind of famous. It's referenced here. He also, I'm pretty sure, sexually assaults her. Um, that's a mm-hmm. part of Sabretooth's background as well. Like, Sabretooth is evil, right? And it's not just the standard sort of, oh, he does comic book violence evil. Like, Sabretooth is the worst, like this is an irredeemable character um and unrepentant too and i think that's kind of a thing that gets has gotten massaged and sort of glossed over where it's just like oh like he's just like wolverine but uh you know but more violent Mm -hmm. and it's like no it's worse than that it's worse than that yeah um i mean and and that's the thing where you know it's like right like that's a pretty regular thing is that he is you know full of just we've got some of them yeah unapologetically murdering people right like which even other supervillains they kind of dance around often right maybe oh maybe they'll wipe out some random you know i don't know <laughs> background npcs uh but like yeah Sabretooth in you know the the much maligned uh mutant massacre right was a big part of that um <laughs> and yeah the, the historically maligned, maligned one. mutant massacre series yep 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 so all right so so all this leads to a big uh, Wolverine versus Sabretooth showdown. Um, it's kind of doing a Silence of the Lambs thing where he's the prisoner and he's getting inside Wolverine's head. Um, it actually surprising like said, ways. Zach has to go and work out to get him out of his head, which is <laughs> yeah. great. Like, yeah. I, the, gotta the, do the get the reps out. The touch where he actually like he goes to sleep in a different bed in the X Mansion, and he's yeah. like, yeah, you know, oh, I'm I'm sleeping here so that if Wolverine or if Sabretooth escapes, he won't know where i'm sleeping wow that's crazy i shouldn't be this worried right like he's in, even to himself he's embarrassed that he's like this concerned about having saber in the house and that's i don't know i think that's interesting in like some vulnerability that makes him seem more real than i generally uh get from wolverine yeah i like that detail um because it because it shows too you know we got big tough guy wolverine right mm-hmm. but it's like he's worried about saber like he's like he he thinks he can take him but also how many times have they fought at this point, and always, always, both of them are standing mm-hmm. after, and terrible things happen. 
you know, to Wolverine. It's like he knows. Like, mo- like Sabretooth should be in his head. I think most writers are afraid to make Wolverine uh, not cool. Vulnerable. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and like you know, even if he makes mistakes, he's still like cool and in control. It's uh, it's interesting to see him like, and not out of control in a bestial way, but out of control, you know, like not not uh, in control of his emotions. You know, he's afraid, and he uh, and he doesn't right. like it, and he doesn't want to be afraid, but he can't help it. Um, right. Yeah, yeah, really. Interesting. So, and and while while this is all playing out, um, the news broadcast that Sabretooth is watching, and this is where I think Hama does uh, some nice thematic parallels. Uh, it's all it's very ham-fisted, but it's thematic. Um, it's all about this serial killer who is killed by the police. And there's this ongoing news saga, essentially, of the serial killer um, who's just like beyond Ed Gein, even. Uh-huh, right? right. He's just yeah. he like yeah, he's yeah. the the ultimate worst possible serial killer, which is, you know, thematically parallel with Sabretooth. Um, he's he's finally apprehended and then ultimately killed by the police, uh, but not before he rips out one of their throat with his teeth and maybe beats one of them with a human femur. Yep, yep. <laughs> that, part, that part stood out. Um, so, but then the news broadcast, so it's broadcasting this, it's showing it, and then it goes into a conversation essentially around like, hey, but should the police be killing people? <laughs> should, the, should the police be like beating their suspects, right? Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. like, Good conversation, right? Like, like it's, good this is so issue cheesy. to address. It is so ham-fistedly it, over the top with this serial killer that it's like, okay, that that particular conversation is out the window right now because this man just beat someone with a human femur. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, it's one of those silly things where, like, they're trying to reflect on... So, like, it does seem like he's trying to make a little... Like, this and uh, Wolverine and Gambit victims both have some, like pro-cop like well cops gotta do what they gotta do because you don't understand what a cops has to deal with um kind of stuff well, and as we on. said that is that is the history of marvel comics that is right yeah but incredibly this, common but you can't do that when you're talking about what you said <laughs> talking about a man who's beating other cops to death with the uh, femurs so like mm-hmm. you know you, you you're muddling the issue by uh you know whatever it, and putting wolverine on the side it, it's doing a little bit of a frank miller dark knight returns talking heads on the tv thing Except that, like, which is which is incredibly popular post Dark Knight. Yeah, there, there's also some Frank Miller in the next miniseries as well. Um, I think more in the art than the writing, but um, yeah, it's doing that. You know, you know, know one thing that like... I wonder, and maybe you remember this. You're a little bit older than I am. Uh-huh. You were probably you were probably studiously watching the news as a as a child of <laughs> the was '90s. Not, but, okay, <laughs> were were psychologists and like criminal behavioral scientists just constantly on TV talking about? why all the criminals should be freed <laughs> in the 90s. <laughs> it's like, such a, this, no, I have no idea, but it's thing? such, it's such an axe to grind with like Marvel and pop culture generally at this time of mm-hmm. the, like the idea of like, Oh, he murdered 15 people, but he had a bad childhood. I guess we have to let him free. Right. Like mm-hmm. that kind of mm-hmm. like fussing and like, I guess the bleeding hearts want, you know, when all the rapists and drug dealers on the street, just because daddy was mean to them. Right. There's that like tone in a lot of this it seems like a very a very played up emotional argument that is rarely indicative of what the request actually is right or like what the suggestion actually is Mm -hmm. right um where it might be like hey like there are different ways to manage people like this that that's not necessarily the same thing as well, don't put him in. Don't put him in prison. Don't do anything, right? Like they, they, these aren't necessarily <laughs> yeah, the same. Argument. Well, and we've um, talked but anyway, about this forever. Where like 
you got to be careful if you're trying to deal with like really serious real world issues and then like swapping out supervillains for one aspect yeah. of it because it does change yeah, the yeah. conversation like i'm against capital punishment in real life i'm all the time i'm just like captain america just kill that guy like just kill him <laughs> right? like i'm kill crazy yeah, when it comes right. to these comics that's because it, li- it exists on a different moral landscape right like we're playing by it's we're playing by different fictional yeah, rules right. um certainly so yeah so the main the main hook of wolverine number 90 is eventually so sabertooth has this like electric force field that beast built keeping him prisoner and wolverine says at one point like it was built to withstand an elephant and sabertooth's like i'm no elephant and wolverine's like yeah you ain't <laughs> it's real sexual <laughs> um <laughs> but then but then beast or, or then sabertooth you know later that night right he finally is just like all right i'm just gonna smash into this until it hurts so bad that i break through basically and of course he does it um and it just shows how depraved and and obviously like wolverine and sabertooth they have these incredible healing factors they can do this sort of thing uh and wolverine predicts this he knows it's coming and he winds up showing up there and then they just have an all-out crazy wild violent fight in the expansion i don't think anyone else shows up in this comic right like no one else he talks to is, in, uh, is around doesn't he talk to professor x at some point or is that in does he i don't remember no yeah i think so i think they would just yeah maybe i'm confusing it oh no that's generation x i'm confusing that with emma frost talking to yeah like it's Uh, just no yeah you're you might be right it just is most it's all in wolverine's head and then discussions with saber tooth yeah and i and so like a lot of the comic is double page spreads oh yeah um i actually think it um i'm certain this reads better in print than Mm -hmm. it does digitally oh yeah like i'm incredibly confident of that marvel unlimited plays it pretty weirdly honestly um nonetheless adam cooper doing work doing work going to town interesting panel layouts interesting page layouts and and here's the Um, thing is like crazy crazy amounts of happenings on the page like uh the action here is like jam-packed with you know like it's kinetic it's detailed like this is not like it's not frank miller daredevil bullseye fights where it's like two bodies you know on a a clear stage where you're seeing like this is you know action lines and their faces are distorted with the impacts and then he's packing a lot of individual action moments on one panel there's one double page spread here that is like it's almost like a reel of film that is like swooping across the pages that have i don't know probably 25 30 different small panels of action like laying out the entire fight and some dialogue the thing is it is it's all so clear like it reads so easy like i i can't like uh, under like over oversell how big of a deal it is that this reads really easily on the page and how like how well this flows that is like the marvel to me it looks great it's full of energy and you can just like it's such a breeze to read well and the the clarity is definitely one of my bigger hang-ups with early 90s comics yeah 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 with the jim lee school of cross-hatching and kinetic energy and and i think adam cooper falls into this trap when he joins on x-men too where i'm like there's some cool stuff here but actually a lot of it is like these zoomed in vertical panels and it's like the clarity of what's happening is a mess and like the let it does not suit lettering guiding you through the comic like there's just certain readability challenges that come with that you know on stuff that might otherwise look cool as a poster um wolverine number 90 shows like by this point like he'd figured that out like the comic does not have that problem at all it reads incredibly clearly um and and you know it's not it's not super complicated like and it, it <laughs> like does it, read like it's beholden to that 90s style right like that's that's the uh-huh. interesting oh, yeah. thing it, like oh, yeah. it very much is in that 
like Jim Lee style here. Well, that's but, the thing about Kubert here is like he of these artists that I'm celebrating, yeah. he is the most '90s by far, right? Like he is the most ingrained in the '90s style that we, and again, like part of defining it, right? But that we've been reading to this point. The other two that we're going to talk about are kind of breaking out of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's true. It's very, it is very '90s, but like he, he feels like he just took everything that they're doing and was like, <clears throat> all right, and then I'm going to make it work. <laughs> I'm make it work really well. And not not to say that Jim Lee's doesn't like I, I jim lee gets a lot of credit from me for like the style that he introduced yeah. but like I, I feel like you know jim lee walked so adam cooper could run here <laughs> a little bit you know yeah yeah a- at least right. in his marvel work i don't, I don't want to you know jim lee had a long well right because well. he doesn't yeah well i guess he does come back but i mean uh, i'm skimming like through this. wolverine 90 now and like these panels have so <laughs> there's so much ink on the page you know, mm-hmm. and it's just like every panel i can just skim through and be like all right this is what's happening in this page super clear like Super dynamic, yeah, yeah, really incredible. Well, and I stuff. think I think a lot of times when people talk about '90s art, you know, and it can kind of be a cliched, I don't know, pejorative. Um, they're talking about excesses of like gun size or muscle mass, um, or increasingly more skin on characters, right? These sorts of things. Yeah, I think that I none mean, that, of that that's stuff bothers me in the slightest. Like yeah, none of that yeah, stuff yeah, is fun. what I'm. I have a hard time with in 90s comics. That's all, yeah, like, that's all fun. That's all part of comics. Like, Jack Kirby made people's hats ridiculous. Those hats wouldn't fit on people's heads, <laughs> you know? I'm still having fun with it in 60s comics. Um, but the the excesses that actually bother me are the busyness of the page. Yeah. The busyness sure. and the readability, that's what... When I think of 90s art being a problem, I'm like, yeah, it's because everything's so flipping crowded. Um, and there's no room for the story to breathe. I can't yeah, actually enjoy this. Yeah, the expense of the storytelling, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's Liefeld's problem as soon as he gets, like, his own comics, right? Because uh, when he was working with Simonson, I uh-huh. think he was reined in a little bit, and he told, like, his visual storytelling worked okay, and it had some of that flip. Remember how much we liked, um, was it Sabretooth in those Simonson X-Factor issues? Uh, I think his Sabretooth was pretty cool. Was that actually, Sabretooth? Yeah. I couldn't remember, because it's a very in different New Mutants. Mm-hmm. With the shows up hair, in the sewers. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Totally fun. Really fun, like, style there. And the storytelling with, like, Cable and all that worked really well. Yeah, we like that. And then as soon as Liefeld, like, gets his own title and gets to write and draw it, he just, he amps it up way too much. And you honestly can't tell, until he pulls back for a splash page, you can't tell what's happening on the page. So Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, so, uh, so the way this, this battle finally ends is basically um, Wolverine, I guess, kind of gets the upper hand. Sabretooth is just mercilessly taunting him. Like, Sabretooth, like, wants him to kill him. Like, Sabretooth is, like, or to try to kill him, basically. You know, he's like, release your inner beast, be the animal, be as bad as me kind of thing, right? He's goading him on, goading him on. And Wolverine gets him finally to the point where he's got the two claws around his head. He hasn't popped the middle claw yet. And they continue to have the conversation about, you know, are you the animal? Are you the man? Just do it. Just kill me. Um, And then it ends. It actually ends without the claw shown, but, like, just the sound effect. Mm-hmm. Of yeah. of shit going up on in Sabretooth's head, uh, and it feels like a massive cl- cliffhanger. <laughs> it, it does. It's really, Did it's you, really effective. I, so I, if you actually read Wolverine number ninety one, <laughs> yeah, right, okay. Because I was if you actually jump ahead to Wolverine number ninety one, include it. So I just it kept is reading. resolved very quickly. <laughs> it is resolved incredibly quickly and kind of moves on. 
It's, um, it's really so I, annoying. I promise to be there's a reason we didn't read that whole issue. Yeah. It's because yeah, you yeah. don't actually need to. If you're like, what the heck happens next? Obviously, yes, read the first page of Wolverine number nine. Uh, I mean, I'm just going to tell you because it's such a nothing of a response. It's Wolverine's sure. like doing some exercise in the woods and he's just like, oh, everyone's on my case for stabbing Sabretooth, but he lived. So what's the big deal? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it, it's just him later being like. It pretty intensely undermines. I think the weight of that decision. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like the weight totally. of that it, moment. It feels like there's a whole this other one issue. issue. Is very, very good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's such a bummer. But it's, yeah. it's a classic Wolverine issue. It is. It's a classic Wolverine comic. Um, it's, I mean, it's probably my favorite Wolverine Sabretooth thing of the '90s. Um, it's easily it's, my it's really favorite well done. like solo Wolverine comic we've read. That not, I guess the Barry Windsor Smith Rise is above this, but from the like Wolverine solo series, like. Yeah, that's if you don't count Weapon X, which I yeah. do. I mean, that's my straight-up favorite Wolverine story. Yeah. Um, if you don't count that, yeah, it's yeah, incredibly yeah. high on the list. Um, it's it's higher than what we're going to talk about next, uh, which is Wolverine Gambit, mm-hmm. Victims. Four-issue miniseries. Um, and again, like I said, we, we talked about at the beginning of this, it is especially notable because of the fact that it's written by Jeff Loeb, and we got art by Tim Sale throughout. Uh, he inks himself. We got colors by Gregory Wright letters by comic craft um so again lobe sale creative team that has done some very memorable work um on the marvel side in the early 2000s they do the color series so spider-man blue daredevil yellow hulk gray those are all pretty well regarded and pretty interesting uh the biggest work together is definitely batman the long halloween and dark victory yeah uh, and uh superman for all seasons is also uh, quite good in the 90s. Um, they've done some amazing work together. Some of some of my favorite comics of all time. Uh, and then there's this Wolverine and Gambit Victims miniseries. It's four issues. And it uh, it is published... So it, it is before The Long Halloween came out. That was in 1996. It is after they had worked together on um, those uh, holiday specials. They do like some like Mad Hatter and Scarecrow stories in the Batman universe. Uh, those actually come first. So they had started... I think, uh, I think it's collected as The Haunted Night paperback actually um which are which are i would say better than what it, it's interesting to me because so Loeb and sale obviously are going to go on to do this pretty formative work in the batman universe right yeah, um totally like the next year good good and like i said like too. i, I want to like put my my st- <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna be brave here and uh go yeah, out yeah. on a limb and say long halloween it's a good comic well you know what though like I, I actually think it's gotten I actually think it's like pretty underrated in critical communities now. Mm. Um, well, Jeff, Jeff Loeb is it's he's a tough guy it, to praise. These it's days. super uncool to praise to praise Loeb right it, now and not for just good reason. Personal good stuff, reason. right? The personal stuff is rough, right? And all the, the the stuff about his professional life, but then also just as a writer, like everything we've read on my ultimate year is among some of the worst comics we've ever read on a podcast, right? So, yeah, like, cre- creatively. Yeah. There aren't a lot of comics creators who have imploded quite the way mm. Jeff Loeb has. Yeah. Um. So and, and some of it is like self sabotage by there's all these reports of like racist behavior behind the scenes of yeah. of Daredevil on Netflix. Like he was the executive producer of Marvel TV. Um. There's a lot of really credible reporting on just like awful behavior by the individual. Um. But then there's also yeah, like you're saying, just creatively. Like, he wrote Ultimatum. <laughs> like, he wrote Ultimates 3. Um, he writes some of the most notoriously maligned Marvel stories, uh, like, from, you know, 2008, 2009 on. And then it's like, I don't I don't know what he's 
Comics-wise, I don't know that there's anything he's done that you'd recommend past that point, um, which happens to creators, right? And then he goes on and does the Marvel TV thing, but the Marvel TV thing was like, I would say, pretty poorly done. Frankly. Yeah, no one really likes um, uh, any of those Marvel Netflix shows. So. How dare you? I Okay, I take that back. There were some very high highs. Sorry. And, uh, but also, like, you know, he's responsible for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., my notorious, uh, you know, <laughs> whipping post. So, all right. So, so Loeb is is complicated. I think I, I, the personal stuff is not, com- or the professional stuff is not complicated. Like that, read those reports. Like Matt Draper wrote about it for CBH, um, in very very well. Like it's a it's a mess, and it definitely definitely diminishes my respect, um, for Loeb. Sale, I, I I don't Sale doesn't deserve to get lumped in with that. I don't think, um, in any measure because Tim Sale's art is fantastic. Tim Sale's art is a huge part of what makes. Batman The Long Halloween so fantastic. And that's yeah. why, so like a number of years ago, somebody asked me like, what's the best Batman comic to start with? Um, and I wrote a whole thing about, I actually think it's Batman The Long Halloween. Um, and very few people will say that, frankly. Um, you'll hear Batman Year One, obviously, The Dark Knight Returns. Uh, the Frank Miller stuff, you know, is, is going to be high on that list. Um, Jeff Loeb's Hush with Jim Lee, right, is a, is a good entry point. Um, but I actually think it's The Long Halloween. Like it's set during the Year One era. Um, and it's like, it goes through the whole rogues gallery. It's just like the most sort of like, here's the full Batman Gotham deal. It's such, I think. It's such a good introduction to Batman. I mean, <clears throat> which, which, what are the, I mean, the total, total diversion, but how many characters have so many good in- entry points, like as many good entry points yeah. as Batman does. You yeah. don't have to talk right. about it, but it's just, it's crazy. Um, but it's such a good, like fun starting point, And that also is like reflective of the history of the shift from, Batman's early days is, you know, fighting just, like, organized crime and gangsters into supervillains and then, like, providing narrative grounding for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say, like, Stiltman has as many good entry points. Like, it's hard. Yeah, because all wrong. of them are just equally uh, simplistic and, you know, just kind of throw you into the Stiltman mythos, which is that <laughs> it's a man on stilts. You don't really need much more than that. <laughs> Gosh, what a myth- what world building. What mythology in the, in the Stiltman It's a flat universe. line. <laughs> it's a very tall a flat line. Oh, it's so straight. Um, so it, it it could be less straight. Still, mammothos could be less straight. Let's, let's not, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> still a little that. a little too hetero for all our tastes. I think. <laughs> um, so all right. So that's you know we're, that's kind of the the creative pedigree mm-hmm. of Loeb and Sale. And then there's this oddball Wolverine Gambit Victims Mysteries, which when I was going back and updating these lists, you know, I was looking at this one and I was like, wait, that's Loeb and Sale? What? <laughs> I was like, I did a double take, you know, because that means something. Um, but this miniseries is nowhere near that same creative pedigree. And it's so wild to me that it's like right in between these moments of like doing this incredible Batman work. Yet this one just doesn't it doesn't have anywhere near the same ambition or or the same confidence even. Or clarity. Um, it's still pretty interesting. It's still fairly interesting. I think Tim Sale is quite good here, not as great as Sale's going to be. The story is pretty boring frankly um the story is is well because it launches with like (laughs) there's a jack the ripper and it's probably wolverine he's murdering women in london and you're just like immediately you're like well no he's not of course he's not what of course he's not yeah of course he's not so like there's you know you don't buy it for a second no Uh, and the comic doesn't do much to sell it to you no And, and it doesn't last too long fortunately right yeah but but then i mean one of my big issues with this comic is that it's four issues it's a pretty simple little mystery right by the end of it, I'm kind of lost at like what exactly happened. Uh huh. Like I'm I'm a little like fuzzy on the details. Like I, I think I get the the thrust of it. Arcade Mastermind teamed up, and it, but it's like because Arcade had a lover who 
he accidentally killed, but he couldn't deal with the thought of that, so he blamed it on Wolverine, I think, and then he enlisted Mastermind to help him. It's actually Mastermind's daughter, Mastermind 2, I guess. Um, Who's, whose name is Martinique, last name Jason? Even though Jason Wingard was famously Mastermind? That threw me. Maybe it's Jason? That's... <laughs> Did you get this detail? <laughs> just son. Just son. Oh, that's, uh, I, I thought no you were making a glass cannon. No one tricks yeah. like just son. No one wicks like just son. This is this is for only a handful of people, but uh, there, there's a great moment where uh, the Glass Cannon podcast, which is an RPG podcast, early on, one of the characters uh, has a son, and he's like, oh, uh, my son's there. He's in the city guard, too. And the DM asks him, like, oh, what's your son's name? And it's clear that he has not come up with a son's name. <laughs> Yeah, uh-huh. and he kind of fumbles for a second and goes, "Uh, just son, <laughs> <laughs> just the best name for on the fly son." Uh, that is a good son name. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I'm pretty sure. So you know, Mastermind mm-hmm. goes by Jason Wingard, but then Mastermind's daughter, who has reclaimed Mastermind first, because Mastermind dies of the legacy virus. Mm-hmm. I, I think that has already happened. Okay. Um, I, she is Martinique Jason. <laughs> And I'm saying like that because they're in Europe. Mm-hmm. Like maybe yeah. it's just pronounced Jason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but yeah. So she's here. She's uh, she's not Lady Mastermind. All right. Let's be clear. There, no, she's no, not she's Lady Mastermind. mastermind. She's just Mastermind, and that's important because she's claiming it for herself. But also because later there is a Lady Mastermind. <laughs> and oh, it's okay. Not bummer. Her. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, um. Yeah. Yeah. So so she's here, and she's working with Arcade, and she's the one. You know, causing all these hallucinations, causing Wolverine to think maybe I am Jack the Ripper, um, causing Gambit confusion. Gambit's flying there, and he winds up on the case with Wolverine. Uh, And she's doing all this with Arcade because she wants revenge for her dad, it seems like, but also because Arcade convinces her, like, hey, Arcade slashed up my face and he killed Miss Locke, who, like you said, Jack, uh, Miss Locke is always his, maybe romantically inclined, I don't know, but always his, like, assassin assistant. Mm. Um, And we find out here, I don't think this is actually portrayed in any previous comics that uh he says wolverine killed her actually what happened was like they had a fight and arcade stabbed her like it's made to look very domestic um and uh and he's you know covering that up and guilty about that and lashing out as but he's got this he's got this like half face throughout the whole thing um he's very very two-faced in this uh but uh but yeah they're the they're the secret antagonists arcade and and mastermind they're revealed in like the second issue and then the rest of it is basically just about gambit and wolverine finding them it's fine as a story it's fine what i'd like is tim sale coming onto the scene artistically doing some different stuff i really like how by the third issue when gambit is in a hallucination all the captions are on playing cards i love that detail mm-hmm. i don't know if that's sale or like the letterer the letterer team, you got like yeah, Richard Starkins to here in Comic Craft. Brings that in, yeah. Yeah, it could be either getting credit, but I flipping love it. It's, it's such fun. a fun little detail yeah. that should always be the case. Um, it, Sales Gambit is incredibly gaunt at times, like this really long face, uh, which is kind of fun. Uh, I, I like different visual portrayals of semi-familiar characters. And there's some really good panel layouts. Um, honestly, it's it reminded me a bunch of Kubert. Like they're doing similar things here, where like the panels are askew and they're falling apart and they're lapped on top of each other. And it's making, you know, it's not trying to use every corner of the page, but it doesn't need mm-hmm. to, right? So you get black space in the background behind these panels that are sort of folding and flying and stacking on top of one another. 
Um, it makes for a visually compelling storytelling, even though, again, the story itself is kind of like that. I'll say, I, I think this, <clears throat> this knowing what Tim Sale does, like in, in just a year or two, I, I don't know, actually, when, Long Halloween, does that, when does that start up? Um, it's pretty it soon. came out in 96, this. so like, I mean, okay, so I, he's working that's on, the thing is like, he's um, probably like already working on it, you know, yeah. potentially. Um, <clears throat> this This feels like early to me compared to that it, it feels a little like like there's still a little too much frank miller in this it feels like someone imitating frank miller which long halloween is a direct continuation of batman year one so like it would make sense that he's still working yeah. in that si- style a little bit i don't get that as much from long halloween long halloween feels totally kind of its own thing and it feels confident in that this just feels like a little, a little sketchier a little a little looser um it, it, it's weird because it's like he does have a loose style right like he is like yeah yeah right. the 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 uh, actual like anatomy of his characters is a little loose and he'll do these outsized proportions and long limbs and kind of odd faces and stuff but it just doesn't feel quite as um like intentional here and, well, it, and that's... It's, not, it's not a strong criticism i think it still is like very visually interesting but it was really no the, i totally I, agree I, got, I got few glimpses at the end i was like oh there we go that's the like tim sale that's yeah, the yeah yeah like when he was drawing arcade surrounded by visions of the woman that he mm-hmm. killed and they were all like mm-hmm. with him on the elevator i was like that now that shot is like yeah yeah it's like he gets there yeah he gets there yeah, by yeah. the end sure. um you can feel it you know that's why i was so surprised when i looked and was like oh they act because i was like oh maybe they do this before they do any of the batman stuff and i was surprised to see like oh no they did those haunted night things first um and I, I think you're 100% spot on. I mean, what's strange, too, is, like, the creative team on Batman the Long Halloween is exactly the same. Like, it's not like he's colored by somebody different. He's inking himself on both. The letterer's the same. <laughs> like, every everything about it is the same except for the editors um, and, obviously, the publication houses, which makes me wonder, like, was Marvel editorially in 1995, and as we've talked about previously, you know, in dire straits. Mm-hmm. Like, they are badly i'm sure like being an editor in 1995 sucked like i have no doubt like you basically you have like six different editor-in-chief bosses you have no clear leadership the company's heading towards bankruptcy even as they're making all these wild acquisitions and things like i wonder how much of it is just like well the marvel style is this so you need to hit those beats whereas batman the long halloween maybe it was just a creative freedom thing like one of the editors on the long halloween is archie goodwin Archie Goodwin knows comics. Archie Goodwin's been around doing, uh, writing his own comics, Long Iron Man run, you know, uh, editor for a long time, right? So it's like, it could be as simple as that because it's weird that it doesn't feel more like that style otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. So, uh, all right. So yeah. th- that's, it's interesting. I think if you're interested in this creative team, check it out. Um, if you're a huge X-Men fan, there are some small, interesting details here. I, I The one thing I'll say is like, it's definitely not as it's not an interesting Wolverine comic. No, um it no, doesn't do not. much like Wolverine number 90 <laughs> does way more for yeah. Wolverine. It's not a it's a more of a Gambit comic, but it doesn't make me super interested in Gambit either. I wouldn't say, you <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, this is why I was like why'd you do it? <laughs> yeah, Wolverine. yeah. But right? I, I, I like, get it with I, the creative team. I do think the most interesting character is the introduction of Martinique. Sure. Yeah, she is. She is. I, I think she's the most interesting character. Like she shows up and pretends to be a shield agent, and then she's causing all these hallucinations. You know, I do think it lands on something smart, which is making Marvel characters hallucinate, like sort of their ideal 
lives mm-hmm. is very effective. Um, and they do this better with Wolverine here. I think it's an issue three where he's like actually, you know, in Japan and he has a comfortable romantic relationship and he's fully human again. He's not having these animalistic, you know, regression that is happening in the real world. Um, that stuff's always pretty good. And Mastermind's a good foil, I think, for that reason. Uh, it doesn't need to be arcade for any reason, I will also add. <laughs> like, there's there's nothing, the, there's yeah, no the, arcade stuff, yeah, which is weird. Well, he, he does have some, like, Wolverine robots, you know. He's got robots. But then but he again, doesn't have also, any elaborate death traps, really. Yeah, no, no. Which is, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like I need to give uh, arcade another shot. Being a little too, I was a little too fussy maybe in the past about, like, his whole deal. It still sound, still seems lame to me, though. The, if the, you're doing arcade and you don't have a murder world... Yeah, like I you're just, missing like, the boat. Can't get behind it. Not into it. Um, well, I've always, I've always advocated for Murder World, and you've been a staunch, <laughs> a staunch opposition. So I, I was wondering, that. like, when we were reading this, I was like, why did he pick? Why are we reading Wolverine and Gambit victims? There has to be other X Men comics like this year that matter. And, and I <laughs> yeah. forgot it's because we have an entire episode dedicated to Age of Apocalypse and Legion Quest uh, later in later in the year. If so. I'm not mistaken. We have two episodes. Or is uh, that are, one? You, you are mistaken. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, unless, boy. Unless they're divided up and uh, that was not made clear to me. Okay. Because uh, Legion Quest is only five issues and then yeah. Age of Apocalypse is, I don't know, eight? We're re- So for Age of Apocalypse, what I decided we're going to do is we're technically going to read all the first issues yeah. ten, of ten all 11, 10, 11 series. Uh-huh. Okay? Um, including the Alpha and the Omega. Now... What I'm going to do is I'm going to read the whole thing again. What I think a lot of readers in the club are going to do, they're going to read the whole thing again. Zach, what I want you to do... We already have some people in the Slack who have read... Johannes, who put in Generation X today, just finished the entire Age of Apocalypse read. There you go. He doesn't recommend it. (laughs) Uh, He liked liked it quite a bit uh, just as an entire event reading it front to back, Yeah, uh, I think. I do think... Uh, so, so first off, Zach, what I was going to finish saying is, yeah, yeah, sorry, you should read it. Like we've been talking about it, like you really should read it. Um, I, I don't rec- like, I don't recommend just reading the first issues as a way to like get the full story. Like you're going to miss stuff. Like it's not. And the thing about Age of Apocalypse is, it's a line wide thing. There's not a core event running through this. Like there's not a core. A like inferno. Like oh, you read these six issues, you get the main threads of the plot. Um, it doesn't really work that way. So. You kind of have to immerse yourself if you want to fully experience it. And I will say, too, like, this is, it's a 1995 X-Men event. It is nostalgia-driven, baby. <laughs> like, you you have to want it to some degrees. Um, I I talked about this a bunch, but, like, it's not like this is secretly, um, it's not like Marvels or something, where it's, like, so wildly evergreen. Well, here, let me, let me point out, uh, and I apologize, Dave, because I'm not using Comic Book Herald's thing. But comic book reading orders well, puts it at fifty eight issues. Off. <laughs> the only reason I went to there is because they do put the number of issues in a uh, in an event right up top. So if you want to know just roughly how long the event is, um, I, I I'll go back to your page to actually get the reading order. But fifty eight issues. So it's it, that's I've not never crazy, been like cuckolded so <laughs> publicly in my entire life. I mean, except by me on other episodes talking about CBRO. So. This uh, is the worst. This is the worst <laughs> cuckolding I've ever experienced. Well, good. I'm glad this is the worst you've ever experienced. Um, yeah, I'll uh, I'll consider it. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where I am. Uh, where my headspace is at 
you know, the weeks that were coming to this. Because I'm intrigued. I, I could I could throw myself into a, an X-Men event right now. If if you don't do it Then I'm not the allowed right to complain way. about it uh, being... I, it's it's just going to be a problem. It's going to okay, be a problem. all right. Which is fair. You know, there, there's, you know, it's a fair, I don't know, criticism because, like, it's the conceit of the club. But that, you know, things don't yeah. quite hold up well, as much as they would if you were reading every single issue. And and the reason I fast track it is just because like it's fifty eight. You know, it's a curated guide through the 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 Marvel universe. Like if you know you're not that into X Men comics, like yeah, don't read forty of them. <laughs> like I'm not I'm not actually that adamant. Um, but are we for those going who back are like a, even mildly curious, like yeah, try and read more of it. And yes, there's a good reading order on comic book. Herald. I'm looking at that it right now. Ooh, baby. Oh man, it's beautiful. Um, are we going back in ninety six? Are we going to be... It's, it's not on the list yet, but you haven't finalized 96. So. Age of, no, Age of Apocalypse is entirely contained to 95 because oh, it starts okay. fairly right, early so it. and it runs right. for like four months and it's then that's it. And then like, that's the crazy thing about X-Men comics in 95 and 96 is like the Onslaught saga starts like mid-95. Hmm. Like Age of Apocalypse doesn't last that long yeah. because it's everything for four months. Like it's a lot and, a and million it comes hot series. and heavy. Yeah. But yeah, but then it ends like like fairly quickly, like in publication terms. Mm. Um, so it's you know, whereas the Clone Saga just drags and drags and drags. Age of Apocalypse is like in, out, boom, and I think that's why it's you know that's certainly a big part of the appeal. It's for wham, me. bam, thank you, Dave. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. All right, wham, bam, thank you, Sugar Man. Right, classic Sugar Man. Little mm-hmm. AOA yep. reference. Mm-mm. Oh, you're gonna love him. You're gonna love him. All right, <laughs> let's let's talk about these final few comics. Yeah. We got Generation mm-hmm. X, number four to number six. I got two thoughts on Generation X. Okay. Lay them on me. Another another fan favorite that mm-hmm. for years was not in Marvel Unlimited and was like this was this was like top three probably fan Twitter campaigns to get series on Marvel Unlimited. Right? It was like Nascenti Daredevil, Simonson, X Factor, Generation X. I think like those are the three that I see all the time. Mm-hmm. Um and Generation X I still I think still has some some big old holes, um, but finally it's here. And uh, my first thought: Chris Pacello is an artist that I've had a complicated relationship with in Marvel Comics, um, in the sense that sometimes I think it's amazing art, sometimes I find it very confusing. Uh, actually, I think you know we talked about um, excesses of the '90s. I think yeah. some of Pacello's work, like it is very stylistic, and I can find it narratively very muddled. Um, at times, but sometimes it's cool as heck. And I think throughout Generation X, it is regularly cool as heck. It's not quite as confidently stylistic as it's going to get, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but in some ways, you know, it's kind of, it's not, it's a bad comparison, but it's, but it's also apt where it's like that early Liefeld thing where it's like, because it's a little more structured and there's more rigidity and the artist hasn't quite figured out the stylistic quirks they want to lean into mm-hmm. it's actually just easier to follow um and and i do think that's to the advantage here and then the second thing i want to say about generation x is if i didn't know you know speaking of speaking of creators with problems right scott lobdell mm-hmm. a lot of personal a lot of a uh, lot of criticism for this individual's behavior in in the modern era oh yeah okay we're recording this in 2022 uh read up on it it is well worth it if i didn't know about that stuff I would think Scott Lobdell was a a huge deal in comics and b pretty good for comics. <laughs> like like Generation X is a very diverse team. It is a very diverse cast and it's good. You know, it's introducing mm-hmm. new diverse yep. X-Men in this 
pretty fun young team that the X-Men comics sorely need. Um, I would, if, if you just take the time machine back to 1995, I'd be like, Scott Lobdell, good for comics. You know, it's kind of like, like if you were watching Buffy in 2002 or whatever, you'd, you'd be like, like Joss Whedon, now, good well, for this women. This is the peak of feminism. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like it's that kind of like naivety um, that obviously has not panned out. No, I but, knew, uh, I but knew. Yeah. when I was 14 and I was watching Buffy, I was like, well, this man's no feminist. I could did tell. you? <laughs> did you? <laughs> No, no, no. I was totally. Yeah, I was going no, to think for a 14-year-old like, to say. I think when I was 18, I watched it for the first time, and I was like, I'm Xander. <laughs> Girls yeah, don't like yeah, me right. either. <laughs> I'm bitter about it. <laughs> I'm going to bully them about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Classic. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. No, I didn't watch it until I was like in my 20s, so I, hmm. I, I, I missed the yeah, boat. That's problematic. You was... should know better by then. <laughs> <laughs> definitely uh what what did you make of these generation x uh issues I, issue about the same as i did with the first batch which is like yeah it, it's a little bit of a mixed bag it feels um you know what L- lobdell feels like he's really getting claremont here um like like he feels like he's channeling claremont so much to oh, me yeah. in the oh, like yeah. it's a little too busy these like these comics are a little too busy and they're a little t- focused on too many things but, like, I could see if you're just, like, a big X-head, it's, like, there's so much to chew on here, right? Like, yeah. there's so many character moments. There's so many character interactions. There's so much story with these characters happening that, like, this is the stuff you sink your teeth into if you are the kind of person who likes that in X-Men, if you like that kind of density in an X-Men right. comic. Um, it To me, it's a little numbing. Um, and uh, and the, the art's good, but it also, like, kind of like we were comparing to Kubert. Kubert has that, like big wild style but it's so clear this is not as clear you can skim through a page like if you flip to a page and you really have to be like all right let me go through this panel by panel to tell what's happening beat by beat because like Mm -hmm. it is not clear at first glance to be able to like distinguish the art um but these characters are engaging you know these characters are really interesting husk and uh penance and um what's her name um jubilee well yeah jubilee but the the new ones um monet monet and skin yeah, all, all really interesting. Like, I like I like all these characters a lot. And, uh, I mean, that's the thing that really... The, the art looks nice, I think, generally. Um, I like the art quite a bit. The characters. The, um, the, again, I, Lock, like, Lock like, like Bacello's thing, like, yeah. when the thing barges through, like, a marketplace in issue five, mm-hmm. it's so cool. It's very good. So yeah. cool. I've never seen the thing like that before. Um, there's certain yeah. moments. There's Which, certain it's a weird moment brilliance. thing. Like, I don't really know what he's... It's funny, though. <laughs> Why he's there. It's funny. Yeah, him getting... Yeah. Him trampling it's a nice, somebody to It's get a nice Marvel Universe touch. It doesn't uh, It doesn't swallow the comic in Fantastic Four action or anything like that, mm-hmm. you know? He's just around. Um, and he's looking big and bulky and, and fun. Uh, yeah, I you know, I also really like here that Bacello will, like... He'll just put these, like, X's in the blank space. I don't know if this is him or editorial or whatever, right? But it's like... They will just put like a bunch of like X symbols in this blank space and it is distinctive, mm-hmm. I suppose. Like in the Holiday Spectacular, there's just like Christmas bells behind panels. Yeah. You yeah, know what I mean? Funny. Like it's just a different kind it's of so layout bad. than just leaving it to white space. I just want to point out like it's so odd because it's um, it's inked by Mark Buckingham, who I confused yeah. with Bill Willingham last time. But uh, Mark Which Buckingham. Is, you know, fa- fables team so that's fair right yeah well oh it's fair really you roasted me last time i did this <laughs> and it's a mistake anyone can make i, I i'm sure everyone <laughs> let you off oh my god if i listen to the i want to go back and like insert you like you know just the vicious mockery last time for this i think charlotte got in on it even though she doesn't even read fables <laughs> um anyway the uh mark buckingham i feel like i can see his art 
in this so much, but he's just inking. It's weird, but like Fables, that's what Fables does. Fables has the border around issues and sure. they pack it full of patterns that are like thematic re- thematically related to the issue in the background. Interesting connection. That, that's a Fables thing. And then there's all kinds of little touches in the um in the actual drawings though. It's not just the inking that like feel like Mark Buckingham, like the knuckles on fingertips being little spirals. Right? That's a right. real uh, Mark Buckingham thing in Fables. It's just because I'm like really familiar with Fables. I read that whole series a couple times. That was huge for me when I was like 1920. Um, right. So yeah, I don't know. It's a. It, it's kind of interesting. I wonder how much you know if he had a little more to do with this comic than just um just inking. Sure. Yeah. No credit but, to the inkers. Credit. But to uh, Lobdell. Um, I think to the detriment of some of his emotional beats is packing too much in here. So, for example. There's some scenes here between Penance and, um, oh, who's the, the guy with the big mouth? Uh, <laughs> Chamber. <laughs> Chamber, right. I um, should not have gotten that based on that clue, but I know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, how many super uh, superheroes have just a big mouth? Uh, if you... Banshee. Yeah, I knew, I was trying not to De- set you up Deadpool. for that because I knew you were going to make... Pun. Yeah, I knew you were going to go this way. Okay. There's these scenes where... Um, Lizard. I mean, Reptile Jaws. <laughs> she uh she's following like, an egg hole sometimes she's having you know a that? hard time she's getting like too drunk and partying a little too hard and it's uh because she's feeling a little bit of despair over the legacy virus right which to my understanding and i haven't really read it yet i don't know if that's in fatal attractions and i missed it or we just haven't covered it too much is a little bit of... yeah we talked legacy virus with dr anna mm-hmm I know, um, which was, I think, our Fatal Attractions episode. Yeah, so maybe, maybe I didn't. Uh... But it, it is it is full on here in the Marvel Universe. Ileana yeah. has yep. died from the Legacy Virus. Mastermind has died from the Legacy Virus. Like, it is a real Ileana died? Mutants. Is that what you said? Little, little, uh, yeah, little girl Ileana dies. Oh, and, wow. um, I can't believe we'll I think never right around see the her Attractions in Marvel era. Comics. That's crazy. Um, yeah, Ileana has a rough time. <laughs> so, yeah, Paige, Paige is, like, feeling you know, a, a little nihilistic about the whole thing and deciding, like, why not just have a great time because, you know, I'll just drop dead of the legacy virus anytime. This sure. feels such, like, a clear parallel to, like, the gay community and HIV with this this sentiment. I know gen- uh, legacy virus gets talked about as an analog for HIV. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, and I, I don't know. Do you think, like, I haven't read enough of it. Do you think that's, like, really intentional here at this point? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um it's it's intentional. It's it's mirroring, you know, it's doing the mutant metaphor but yeah, okay. now yeah. converging with, you know, the AIDS crisis and sure. the the actual rising publicity of it in the 90s. So well, that this is, thing that's that no Paige, accident. This thing that Paige is going through, I think is a very like real well observed uh like dynamic of people who feel yeah. kind of helpless and a little doomed right in their their existence because of discrimination and now because of this like specter of disease hanging over them but it doesn't give enough time to actually like feel those complicated emotions it's just like pages being a little bit of a wild child and chambers they are just being like aren't you getting a little too drunk and it's like it's like the idea is there but it, it doesn't really lean into the mixed emotions of this you know like it's, it's kind of a complicated thing to play with someone who's like she's not riding the line you know into like really dangerous behavior there's nothing it, it just doesn't push that idea far enough it's just a very like i could see people reading into this that dynamic which i think is very true to real life like i saw it but it just you know it, it's it's just a very bare bones surface level observation of that 
Um, so I, I think that's a little bit of my like main thought about this whole comic. I, I think part position. of that, though, a big part of that is the nature of the storytelling, which, like you said, you know, it's Claremontian. The aim is not to fully explore that in this issue. Yeah, I, I actually read ahead to of explore few that over the course <laughs> wanna... of several issues. Yeah. Now, I don't know by issue 12 or whatever is this going to be yeah i want i wanted to see where that went and i read looking for i skimmed the next um, few just to see where page went and uh yeah it didn't, it didn't really go any farther with this right it, no it but into, I, I do think that's part of the rationale is just like well we're giving five pages to page and chamber here yeah. and also there's uh you know a billion other things happening um i hear what you're saying there i mean that is kind of just the nature of mutant team books yeah is yeah. You don't get to go that deep <laughs> on any particular character because you're exploring a lot of different characters. Now that doesn't doesn't always necessarily provide a free pass to say you couldn't observe situations better or the character development couldn't be stronger. Obviously, it can in the right hands. Um, but I, I do think that is that is kind of I would say in this instance, like I, I actually think that is like you said a pretty well observed behavior potentially. Um, in in response to this situation, and it's all again, it's it feels familiar, and I think that's kind of I don't want to say as much as you can do, but it's like no, that's I think it's sufficient. a little tame compared to you in know, like ways. the the idea of her actually taking some risky behaviors because she feels you know so like uninhibited by her fear that you know she's like trying to to regain some control over her life by taking some big risks. I think would have been a little bit more. Um, well, I think the challenge a, is. Bold. The challenge becomes, do you follow up on that uh-huh. and actually yeah. have her do that? Or is it a one and done and it's just an excuse to get her drunk and try to make out with Chamber? Yeah. And then it's like, okay, that wasn't yeah. that wasn't yeah, anything. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's where, you know, the criticism kind of either lands or doesn't. Um, but but I do think you're right. You know, my my biggest hang up with these three issues is it's the end of Bacello on this title. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. like he's done after six issues. I think he keeps doing covers for a bit. Um but that's a bummer because definitely uh, I, the Lobdell Bacello era, I wish it lasted a lot longer. Um, Roger Cruz comes in and does pencils after this point. It's not like the comic falls apart or anything. You know, if you're invested in these characters, keep reading. Absolutely. Uh, but it's not the same, um, I don't think. And it, it, that definitely was a core part of why I was as hooked as I was. Um, you know, and I, and I think part of what it is is like Bacello's visual styling, it sells – it actually invests me because I, it then hooks me into like, well, I kind of want to explore this comic more. Then I actually get more invested in the characters as a result. Like I'm more invested in Emma as Sean and Sean mm-hmm. as the leaders of this young team of mutants, yeah. right? Like I'm more invested. And a lot of this too is like modern day stuff, you know, like you, you have these characters like Sink and, and Jubilee and Husk and Chamber and, and all these characters that have like kind of made a resurgence in various titles and this and that M obviously. Um, but it's just like, once you kind of lose that continuity uh, with an artist, um, it's a bummer. You know, I, I wish I wish that had gone for longer because I think it could have led to some pretty potentially great stuff. And maybe it would be this this run then would be talked about a little more regularly as like canonically great X Men as opposed to like super underrated fan favorite stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. Um, it it does it does seem like if if I was doing the full X Men, this would one be one that I'd be like happy to fold in to my reading. Um, oh yeah right i was like especially in the 90s this feels a little bit more like i don't know like like the excesses that uh can become really numbing and overwhelming elsewhere like there's a little bit here but not not generally as much as well and we uh, talked about this 
with the first three issues where, you know, certainly my opinion of it is badly needed, badly needed in the X-Men universe to have new mutants, young mutants, an actual Mm -hmm. school scene, um, new fresh perspectives, different artistic stylings, like all this stuff is hugely welcome when you've been reading X-Men comics through the 90s. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is, and it is fairly well done. I do think, you know, the biggest criticism that I would have, you know, narratively is like Lobdell, what? I sneezed. <laughs> oh, gee, it sounded like you just scoffed so hard at me. <laughs> like you just like so loudly so no, no, scoffed <laughs> at the idea that I might have a criticism. Of no, this. sorry, it was a sneeze. Oh man, that was incredible. Well, I'll have to leave um, that sneeze in. <laughs> uh, the biggest criticism that I would have is like Lobdell is trying to do Claremont. He is not Claremont, mm. um, and it is. In that way, it's like we're only six issues into this, and that's kind of a hard place to start in that Claremontian vein, you know, without mm-hmm. as clear sort of narratives and story. Like, like it's yeah. hard to describe what actually happens in these comics. Like, it's hard to describe what even, like, the major threats or focus of these issues are, you know? Like, it's a very broad teen school book. And I, and I don't even love New Mutants until Sienkiewicz comes on, you know? But it's like it is... It's muddled, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, one final thing that I love with this is uh, Jubilee goes out to the woods to to reconnect with Wolverine at the end of I think issue six, and uh, which which is nice, right? They they have this obviously built up relationship through Uncanny and the Claremont days and Sylvester and and on to now. The way Bacello draws Wolverine, mm-hmm. he looks like the Hulk. Like he's so like Jubilee must be like four foot two for this to work (laughs) yeah but like she looks so small in his arms and i don't even care if it makes sense logistically like it's a cool visual Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i think more and more i'm kind of like like hey does it look cool um and and it's easy to read good okay i'm good with it uh all right so anyway generation x good series definitely recommend reading at least these six issues i'm glad to have read more yeah yeah no good rec for sure um and again if you want to get into patreon rec of your own Go on over to patreon.com slash year and you can do so. And then just shoot me a message, yeah, if you start backing at that level. Cool. All right. Any Captain America on... coming up next. I'm excited. I haven't read, uh, we haven't read Captain America in a while, I think. Yeah, uh, it's the start of the Mark Wade and Ron Garney run. We're going to oh, touch yeah, the on end some of 1995 Cap. End of That'll a be wild, exciting. Wild, wild run by. Um... And then we're going to do a, an Avengers event that I felt obligated to include, not, <laughs> not that I wanted to. <laughs> Really well. Okay. It's only five five issues here, but I I fast tracked the heck out of Avengers: The Crossing Line. It's not gonna make sense. I promise you, <laughs> it's not gonna totally make sense. I'm fast tracking the heck out of it as best as I can. All right. Wait. So why um, are so we just, just reading more of the Mark Wade run then? Why well, because just... there are only three issues this year. Oh, all right. That's all it is. Those are just the 1995 issues. Zach, uh, we, you can keep you can keep reading comics, Zach. Dave. I am. Reading <laughs> I'm not actually putting up barriers on you. I talked about this on the variant cover, but I am I am currently just reading every Captain America comic. Yeah, is- and we we haven't mentioned we talked so much about the claws in our heads mm-hmm. that we didn't mention that you are fully star spangled and striped right now. Um, you've got a flag around your shoulders. Mm-hmm. I'm always wearing uh, a flag around my shoulders. That's true. Yeah, well, that's, I guess that's not new. <laughs> You're right. That's always been there. I The piece that I'm surprised to find uh-huh. was uh, the tattoo you got on your forehead that says, Lil' Rick Jones boy? What's that about? <laughs> I didn't expect well, that. <laughs> just, just to kind of say that, like, you're also a fan of Cap, 
like Rick Jones? Is that the message you're well, trying I got, to Well, at first I, I had the, um, is it the the nuke tattoo of just the American flag like over my eyes? That was a bit much. Well, I, thought I thought that was a bit I much. thought it was Captain America. I just like, glanced through those issues and I was like, I'm going to mm-hmm. get it just like my hero cap. And then I yeah, went yeah. back and read them. And you, and know, you were, you were unmanageable on the red pills. <laughs> yeah, right. But then I got that removed and uh, covered up. You know, and it is kind of interesting how I could cover up a, a block of uh, color with just some words saying Rick Jones boy. I just, I, yeah, I'm uh, I'm reading, I'm on like 72 now, I think, in Captain America. Coming. It's, I mean, Captain America, like Daredevil, has a series of like very good um, creators on it, right? Like you get Steve Englehart for a really long time through the 70s mm. and then uh, JMD Mateus. And then you get to the Grunewald run and like... He'd so do you, do you think you'll go back and do a big Grunewald bidge? Because I would actually be pretty curious to hear your opinions. Because that was one thing that I wanted to do more of yeah. as we yeah, went yeah. through the 90s, and it kind of just hit a wall. And we have enough stuff going on anyway where I didn't really – the stuff I read, I wasn't – it wasn't as obvious for me, like, where to jump back in with yeah. 90s Grunewald stuff. You mean with um, Captain I'd be America curious to hear or just in it. general? His Captain America. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, my, my, the, the, the reason I'm, like, reading – all of Captain America is like it's one series, right? He is not the X Men that just keeps like spinning out and out and out. Uh, so it's just or Spider Man, right? People try to do the Spider Man read all the time, um, and then they add books to you, and yeah, sure, right, right. Um, no, because Captain so America. So you're trying to do generally... Cap from day one. Yeah, well, you know, from like not I, not Kirby and Simon, I guess. Yeah, yeah, from the Kirby stuff. I I, I started up after it split away from Iron Man and Tales of Suspense. You know what? That reminds me of is uh, I I got a comment. On Convict Herald's complete Marvel reading order yesterday, yeah, that that just says this is all lies. This doesn't even start in 1939. <laughs> oh, we, for for our thing, that cracked yeah. me up. No, no, on the on the complete Marvel reading order. Like oh, I am calling yeah. Convict <laughs> Herald's reading lies. order quote unquote well, we got, complete, we got that from, and he's uh, like, "This bull does not even start in 1939." <laughs> that was one of our How very first comments on the show on Facebook when I used to post these to Facebook. Was mm-hmm. we started. Um, it was like Marvel Year One, 1962, and someone was like, "Ah, 1960, Fantastic Four number one came out in 1961. Is this the level of, uh, yeah, yeah, accuracy that I can expect from your show? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, Please don't listen to our show, heaven, <laughs> unless you're still listening. Like, a nerd miss an opportunity to. Well, call you know, if, if that details. guy, I, I don't remember their name. If that guy, if you're listening right now, if you're like that was me, I'm glad you stuck around, and uh, <laughs> and I'm glad you gave us a chance to, you know. Uh, to make up for that and never make another mistake again because that was our only mistake yeah no it's nice that we well it wasn't a mistake we knew that it was included in the title we I said know. 1962 and 1961 because there was one comic right i know yeah i know it would be kind of silly to start so you so, say you know what i'm actually if you're listening now i'm not the time i'm not i'm not glad you're still here <laughs> yeah. i'm calling you out uh no it's i mean listen thanks for your support Thanks for everyone's support. We appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, seriously, thanks for listening. Um, I'm Dave. You can find my stuff at comicbookherald.com, of course, for all your reading and reading order needs, unless you're a betrayer, unless you're a Judas, <laughs> like the one that I record with here. Uh, you can find Zach at My Marvelous Year on Twitter and Instagram. Join the Slack. Come talk comics with us. Uh, March Madness is going on. Who knows if it'll still be going on when this episode comes out, but that's over at patreon.com slash year. Rate and review on iTunes. Helps us out a ton. A ton. Love reading them. I mean, anytime I hop over there, I'm like, hmm, do we get a new review? If we got one, day made. So thank you for doing that. If we don't, and uh, what else? Music by Disaster Piece. 
Music for the show is by Disaster Peace. We'll be back next time with part four, uh, Captain America and Avengers, The Crossing Line. I'm just going to, oh, it's kind of a spoiler. I can't even, I can't even say the thing that everyone knows about this event because it's kind of a spoiler if you don't know. So I'll, I'll just, I, oh, I don't, that. I don't know either. Uh, yeah. You wouldn't know, no, you would no not know it by the event name, but you'll know it when it happens. Is it the big handsome cap, the Rob Liefeld cap drawing? No. Oh, damn. I have no idea. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Exciting. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next year. See you next year. Yeah.